We're back again, part number three, three of the 100 Beyond the 100, or whatever we're calling it these days. The 100 outside the 100. <laughs> That's what I keep calling it. I'm still calling it it's that. It's the 100 Beyond the 100 when I type it into Facebook. So sorry. You, it went after last time, so we were only two in. I'm like, okay, you need to change this. Yeah, well. Now it's like a thing. Old dog, new tricks, so they say. Okay. So tonight we are talking about 180 through 171. So the 170s, because I think this week, are we on the 70s? Or we're on the 60s this week? 60s, on the podcast. Yes. Yes. So we are full steam ahead. And I think I have a really good list. I looked at Jason's today and I think they all suck. But mine are good. <laughs> What? What about 174? You like 174? I do. It should be higher than that. I don't know what you're doing. You like 177? Mm, I think mine's higher than that, too. Okay. No. Anyway, so we'll start with 180. My 180 is, for us, a classic. We used to talk about it all the time, and we haven't lately, but it's still such a good game, and that is The Gambler. I always sing Kenny Rogers when I think about this game. But in The Gambler, you are trying to make the most money. You're trying to reach, what, $10,000? This is like old, um, this is from the 70s, a game from the 70s. Um, where did we put it? Because I was looking, right. over here. Yeah. Uh, Don't pull it out, it'll be a big ordeal. No, it's got like interesting like schoolhouse rock art to it. Um, but there's just like a bunch of little mini games in it. Also, there's like a little dice maraca, which is arguably one of the best gimmicks in a game that you shake around the dice and then you shake them down like they're in a big round part and you shake them down into the little handle part. Um, and that is for different mini games that dice maraca is used. It is all luck. It is dumb luck. You bet on horse races, you throw like little parties, you, I mean, but. It's roll and move, whatever you land on happens. Yes. That's what it is. But it's yes, a good time. But it is fun because there's a different types of like little mini games you play. So that is why it's my 180, The Gambler. Yeah, I don't know where this is on my list, but have we play it more again? And like, I do like this game quite a bit. It's just. I don't know. Every time I came up on the list, I always voted against it was something else. I don't know why. I it, don't. It's a good game. We haven't played it in a while. Um, Rory likes it. I think if we played it again, you would be reminded of how good it is. Yeah, was. you're probably right. So my number 180 is also a game that I haven't played in a really long time. From Arcane Wonders, it's a Dice Tower Essentials game, and it is called Royals. And for a while, I actually had the version of the game that this was based on called Head of State. But I did give that away to a friend. I didn't even know we had that game. Yeah, it's the one that Brian picked up that one time. Yeah, okay. Uh, it came in a trade. They just, oh. they just threw it in as a game that okay. was in there. Sure. They saw I like Royals. But Royals is kind of like Ticket to Ride. By, and by that, I mean you're collecting these different cards of countries. Again, I haven't played it for a while. Colors, and, basically. Yeah, basically colors. And you're trying to... In, in, like assert your influence over different locations on the map to score points. Mm -hmm. And if you had the majority, you're going to get some points. You're also trying to claim the favor of these different nobles that yeah. are out there. Which is how you get your influence. Right, right. And uh, people can come in and boot you out into this other section 
and then you're just a wasted cube. Um, so you're trying to figure out when you want to put your cubes into the location, when you want to get booted out and all that kind of thing. It's a pretty easy game. It can get a little mean because area control and it's hard as mean, mm -hmm. but it's easy to play and it's easy to teach. And it's a good game. It's fun. We just don't play it a lot. So my number 180, Royals. Yeah, this is just at my, outside my 200. Um, the coolest part about Royals is eventually you can share points for uh, influence and even like the scorecards for that, like you can break them in half. They're designed to break in half if you have to split um, the points, which I don't know why I think that's so which cool. Which is genius. Every, uh, every game should do that. Yeah, it's, it's a awesome. good idea. Uh, my number 179 is a game Jason talked about either the last episode or the one before of the videos, and that is My Little Scythe. Um, so for a long time, I really did not like Scythe. I had a bad experience. Uh, it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, but My Little Scythe is so dang cute. Uh, and it's basically just, it's Scythe, just on a much simpler version. It plays much faster. Uh, there's still like a big setup to it, um, but you have these adorable little animals that you're controlling and you're like going out and exploring and you're collecting apples and you can have like a pie fight. Like it's cute. I, it's cute for adults. It's basically the mechanics of scythe on like a, a way simpler level, a way simpler level. Yeah. So I, I like it and I like looking at it and I like playing with the characters. So. My 179 is My Little Scythe. It was on the first video episode. It was okay. on the 190s. Okay. Uh, my next game is a Martin Wallace game. And honestly, it would be higher on this list if I played it more. It actually looks nice. It doesn't look like a Martin Wallace game. Thank you. Have I played this? No. I didn't think so. It's based on a computer game called Anno something. But the board game's called Anno 1800. I don't know what the computer game's called. Maybe same. Don't know. Don't care. Mm. Um, effectively, what this game is, is it's a huge game of building tech trees. All tech trees. You have cubes, and you're using these cubes as workers to put them on buildings to either produce goods or to pay certain types of goods to build different buildings. And all you're trying to do is get as many buildings as you can to fulfill these contract cards you have in your hand before another player. It's kind of like a race. I've only played it, I've actually just played it by myself a couple times. So I haven't really ever played it with live people, which is part of the reason why it's down so low. But I enjoyed what it did when I was playing two-handed solo, and it's fun. And I'd like to play it. It's a pain in the neck to teach, like every Martin Wallace game. But maybe that's why I just taught myself. Um, but it's it hasn't fun. stopped you before. Yeah, that's true. If you like Martin Wallace and you know that computer game, you like tech trees, you like converting things into other things, check it out. Mm. It's pretty good. One seventy-nine. Anno 1800. I have a feeling I won't like it. You may. I don't know yeah, how I, I feel know. about tech trees. I like it, it doesn't feel like a tech tree, but that's essentially what it is. It feels like I got bread. I'm turning that bread into something else. I'm turning that something else. So into it sounds like brass, else. which I hate. Sort of, but there's no network. You don't need to. Build, you're not building a network. You're not using rails. You're not using canals. There's no cards to play to take the action. It's pretty different. Pretty different. Hmm. Okay, sure. Uh, my number 178 in a weird twist of fate is Scythe. Like the actual game, Scythe. So we ended up getting this from Stonemeyer, and I was like, okay, I want to give it another try. Because my first experience was bad. 
second experience, uh, much better. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. I think we still played it wrong. Um, yeah, I messed up the the battle rules. But it was a much better experience. I could see why people like the game. I can't say why people like went on and on about it and like have twenty million all the expansions and all that sort of thing. Um, but I can I, I can concede that it is um, a pretty good game, and I even like it just a little bit better, obviously, than my little size because there is more to it. Um, I just had a better time planning out like how. Like I could really maximize the turns by unlocking things. Like it, I just got it better this time. Uh, so it was, yeah, a much more enjoyable experience. So my number one seventy-eight is Scythe. Yeah, I'll be talking about that later. I actually thought I liked my little Scythe better. I would rather play my little Scythe, I think. But I think Scythe is a better game. It's mm -hmm. a deeper game. But if I'm going to pull it off the shelf, I'm going to pull my little Scythe off the shelf probably. Mm -hmm. My number 178 is one of the first games I think we got from Board and Dice. And I've played it with Brandon and Josie twice. That's it. I was going to say, I don't think I know this. And it does, it's what's called Praetor or Praetor. I don't know how you say it. Praetor. Praetor. And it's Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing in this game is you are placing tiles down. We're building like a board together. And you're trying to put certain color corners of the tiles together to score bonuses. It's kind of dumb. But the crux of the game is you're using dice as workers. And when you use a worker, it levels up. And this is the first game I'd ever seen that in. It levels mm -hmm. up. And then when it hits a six, it retires. Which mm -hmm. they've done in another game, Origins. Same kind of concept. A six retires, but it's actually useful. In Praetor, it retires and you have to pay them a pension. So then you're spending money that you're earning to pay for these dice that are worthless because they've aged out of the populace <laughs> and they're not helping your workforce. Um, yeah, that's it. And all the, the, you send a worker to a space, you're doing the thing that the space allows you to do and you're trying to score points. I haven't played it in a really long time. I know it's deeper than that, but <laughs> all I really remember is that cool dice mechanism and scoring the points that way. But it's a fun game. Uh, Rado has a playthrough. You can go check it out. Um, it's usually pretty cheap because it's not really a looker. It's why it's on our shelf. Shocking. But it is a fun game. It's it's clever. It's different. And I dig it. So 178, Praetor. Yeah. Haven't played that one yet. I do remember you. I remember hearing you talk about that or teach it or something. So who knows what I was doing? Couldn't yeah, anything. Who knows? Uh, my number 177, I actually went and changed out for another game that I, I thought I liked. But it's, we don't own it. And I don't remember it very well. But a game I do like and I do remember well. And honestly, part of the problem is, again, two-player games just rank lower. But this is probably one of my absolute favorite two-player games. And that is Seven Wonders Duel. Um, Jason and I played the crap out of this when we got it. I mean, we played it a lot after that. We have um, the Pantheon expansion. Yes, just the first one. Yeah, we don't have the second um, it's just, like, I hated Seven Wonders. I still think I would hate it, although there's that new version that I might like. Um, I hated Seven Wonders. I'm like, what is the point? I don't see this. Like, why do I care about these cards? They just didn't work for me. Seven Wonders Duel was the opposite. Like, stuff just clicked. I love, like, building that engine of drafting cards. They're gonna give you resources that you can then turn to other things. 
Um, there's the science win, there's the military win, like balancing that. What do I want to in-game points, in-game points. What do I want to keep you from taking even, even if I don't need it? Like there, um, and then building your wonders. What do I need to build my wonders? Getting, because it's kind of a race. Only one person can build four. Three. Yeah, one person builds four, one person builds three. Um, I always build four. You always do build four. I always build four. Um, but there's just a lot, I think it's, it's pretty quick too, but there's so many great decisions and so much stuff going on that it's just really good. I'm just looking at it over the shelf and I'm like, man, you know, I want to play that again. Yeah. Yeah. And I play this with people who don't play a ton of games and we played it three times in a row. Played it with no. Keener three times in a row. Really? Yeah, he he loved it. It was awesome. It's it's super simple. Like, yeah, it's just really it's really good. Anytime anyone asks for like a good two player game, like that is the old faithful. You gotta get Seven Wonders Duel. It is so good. So that's my one seventy seven Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably on the podcast for me. Oh really? Let's check it out. Seven. Nope. 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 Oh. Yeah, we'll be talking about that later. Wow. Much later on the podcast. Wow. Right. I mean, it's good. I didn't realize you liked that much. Back to the list. What are we on? 177. <laughs> 177. All the sevens for Seven Wonders Jewel. So my number 177 is not have a seven in it, but it is a fantastic game. Very weird. This may be the weirdest game that's on our shelf. No. There's no way it's the weirdest game on our shelf. It's pretty weird. What's one, another weird one? Well, I mean, are you talking thematic? Or are you talking like... Thematically weird. I don't know. The Decemberist? Who Throw, has... Who makes a Throwing your family members into like a... The river? Oh, that's true. The game's called Illimat. I haven't said that yet. No. And it's from... Uh, the designer's done some other game that I can't remember now, but... You know, I don't know. A couple other games that are not super popular. But this is a, a card game. And you're trying to be the first player to get 17 points. And the way you're doing that is almost like, it feels like a trick-taking game, but it's not. Um, so you're gonna be taking, on your turn, you're gonna play a card from your hand and you're gonna do one of three different actions. You're gonna sow, harvest, four actions, stockpile, or that's it. But the trick here is not every action can be done in each any in all four of the fields. Some of the fields have restrictions based on what they're in, and the, season. Gonna, and the box is going to rotate, change the field, so it's harder to collect cards in different spaces. And you're going to get certain points. You're going to collect these ocuses. There's going to be luminaries that pop up that change the rules of the fields. It's really funky. It's kind of hard to teach. At least the stockpiling piece. The other two mm -hmm. actions are pretty basic, but the stockpiling is a beast. Um, but once you get into it, it's a super fun card game. It's It feels like a basic card game yeah. with weird rules. So if you haven't played this game and you like funky card games, you like the Decemberist, you like that theme, uh, check it out. So my number 177, Illimat. I think this is probably higher on my list. We've actually played this a lot. A lot. I've, I played this probably 10 times this year. I ran So I randomly was introduced to it when I was with my friend Kim from Tabletop Rebellion. We were at um, Worlds for Star Wars Destiny. <laughs> so it's been for, so we're up at like FFG's headquarters and we're hanging out with some people and they brought 
to this game and I'm like what is this it was kind of weird I did I wasn't sure it has like tarot sized cards it's got Gloom. Oh, he made gloom. I, yeah. love I was like, it's gloom. another like, kind of, yeah, that one's not popular that much anymore, I don't think, but it was. Gloom was fun. Um but it it had enough elements of trick taking, things that again, growing up in the Midwest, I totally am used to. So I I do like it. We have played this a lot. A lot. Yeah. Almost everybody likes it too. Yeah. Or at least tolerates it. But nobody really hated it. No, no, I don't think so. Uh, my one number one seventy six is like a party game, but not for like a billion people. And this is like new hotness stuff. It is new hotness, and it's fantastic. It's probably way higher in Jason's list. I'm looking at it right now on this over there on the shelf. I actually was thinking about getting this for a Christmas gift for somebody. It's a good Christmas gift. Amber, I think would like it. She doesn't watch this. Um, it's bag of chips. Uh, so again, you know that we. By we, I mean Jason. Love pushed your luck. No way. Yeah, I, I couldn't justify it being super right. It's It'll be on next week's video for me. Um, a bag of chips. You are pushing your luck. You've got cards. You are trying to get these different type flavors of chips out um, in different quantities based on what your card's goals are. Um, as different amounts of chips come out in different stages, you are discarding some cards, and then at the end, you're eventually deciding, okay, I'm going to score these two cards for positive points, one card for negative points. Um, and then you're hoping that the chips will fall in your favor. It's it, all random, all luck. So random, <laughs> but pull it, pulling um, them out of the bag, like, they're just cardboard, like, looking chips. I wish they were, like, just colored plastic, like, that someone had, would 3D print them to be like a little like Pringles type chip, I think that would be even more fun. I think the bag would have to be bigger, bigger though, because you'd have to... You wouldn't have to make... No. I think the shuffling would be harder to like mix them around. I don't think so. Oh, I, I, Maybe you're yeah. not envisioning it the same way. I'm Probably not. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that randomness, that push your luck, you plays really quick. It's very easy to play a full game and people are like, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Let's do it again. You can just teach it by playing. Don't even teach it. Just teach it by playing. Right. It's super easy. Um, I even taught it, and I think everyone seems to understand it. So that's a bonus. Um, it's just a it's good, fun, uh, definitely, definitely worth playing with non-gamers because they totally get it. So 176, bag of chips. The only downfall is it only plays to like six players. Yes. If you could play this with like 10 players, that'd be awesome. Pure chaos. <laughs> Because all you need is more cards. That's it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it, it's a great game. I'll talk about it later. Uh, I did a video for it. If you like Push Your Luck, oh yeah, silly themes, check it out. You can play a game in five minutes. It's and fantastic. it looks like a bag of chips. Like People have really, honestly been like, I thought this really was a does. bag of chips. It's amazing. Uh, my number 176 is actually a Vital Lacerda game. And this Whoa. is my least favorite Vital Lacerda game. Of the ones that I've played. I haven't played on Mars. I haven't played Weather Machine. Or the new one that's not even out yet. Inventor. uh, Inventors. I have a Mars on the shelf. I'm learning it. Not mine, but I'm borrowing it. I'll learn it and play it eventually. But this game is CO2. And I've played this with my buddy Brandon two times. That's all I've managed to play. And this is a semi-cooperative VTOW game where players are working together to reduce pollution across the globe and make sure that when they're building new factories, they're keeping pollution down to a a good level Um, so people can go in and start a project 
they can go and then start working on someone else's project. Um, so that's where the semi-cooperativeness comes in is I can start up a project and then someone else is playing can then go in and finish that project for me. So you don't really own anything. And then you mm -hmm. can put your scientists out to gain knowledge to move up on tracks. Um, but if the pollution gets too high, everybody loses. So there's more of the semi-co-op. So we are really trying to work together to keep that pollution down. And you're just racing to get the most points. Uh, like every VTAL game, you can take like, there's three actions in the game, 500 executive actions, um, you know, typical VTAL stuff. Right, right. The actions, you know, it's, it's just four actions, but it takes up this much sheet on the page because you gotta do all the checklists of stuff. Yeah. It, it's a fun game. It's just, it's kind of convoluted and hard to teach. And I, I don't like the semi-co-op part. It seems ridiculous a little bit. But if someone wanted to play it, I'm not going to say no. Um, so 176 CO2. Yeah, this is one of his that I haven't played. Um, compared to some of his other themes, too, this one is okay. It doesn't feel like a VTAL game, really, to me, other than the four actions mm -hmm. and executives. None of the other ways that the game works, it doesn't feel like any of the other ones that we have. Hmm. Which maybe that's part of the reason why I don't like it as much. Right, right. Uh, my number 175 is... A deck builder, but it's actually a deck unbuilder hmm. at its heart. Yeah. And that game is called Chiseled. Uh, Chiseled is, gosh, it's just basically cards. But what you're doing is you have a deck of statue parts. Uh, and also some, like... Scrap. Scrap from crafting the statues. I mean, you've got arms, legs, heads, torsos. I think that's it. That's it, it yeah. Um, and then there are, I, obviously, if you're going to make statues, it's ideal that, you know, you have an even number of arms, an even number of legs. Um, and there are different cards that come out uh, kind of each round that you have to choose from. And they're going to take away some cards from your deck. Uh, you don't always know what those cards are. And you want to make sure you're not getting rid of the ones that you need, that you're keeping the right number. Because um, there's this whole way of scoring based on what kind of parts you have in your deck. It's just a really neat way, I think, to work with the opposite of deck building. But you're still like filtering through and pulling through cards that you have. Uh, and I think that the theme is cool. Like sculpture, that's not really done all that often. Uh, I, I think the box art is really ugly. I think it does no it, favors. It's definitely not a looker. Even no. when you open it up, it really doesn't look that good. <laughs> Just a lot of like white marbly color rocks. Um, but like the mechanics are really cool. It's just such an interesting idea, interesting way um, to work with the deck of cards. So I really like that. That's number 75, Chiseled. Yeah, I don't know how you even played a game like that before where you start out with a huge deck of like 50 cards and you're trying to whittle it down. Because most of the time you're trying to get cards. Or there's more like the, like Marvel Remix and Red Rising are mo like working with the cards yeah. in your hand. So swapping cards out and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It's it, like an in-between. Yeah, if you haven't checked that game out, it's pretty cool. It's Check cool. It. I don't know who does it, who prints uh, it. Who yeah, I, I did know that. but It's not Blue Orange, right? It's, no, it's, it's a, a small indie publisher. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so my number 175 is actually a game that we've played... Literally a bajillion times. Yes. I don't know what, what number bajillion is, but this is how many times we've played this game. 
and it is called Silver and Gold. And this is a Phil Walker Harding game from Pandasaurus. A little rolling, well, flipping right. Yeah. You're going to flip some cards that have like Tetris shapes. So, you know, the three blocks and one block, the L shape, the straight line. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to mark those shapes off on these cards, which are like little islands to complete them. You may cross off some coins. They'll give you a little coin you cross off on your player board. You're racing to do all that. Just go some extra points. You may get some palm trees. Those mm-hmm. give you extra points. You may cross off a bonus X, which lets you mark off another space, which can pile on a whole bunch of things. And you're just trying to cross off as many islands as you can, score as many points as you can. That's it. And you're playing over, I think, four rounds or five rounds. I can't remember the exact amount. I think right if I played it a bajillion times, I would know that. But you're playing over a certain number of rounds. And then after all that, whoever has the most points is the winner. It's super simple. Anybody can play this game. Yeah. It's literally one of those that you don't even really need to explain that much. Um, no. Fantastic game. Phil Walker Harding is a, a genius. His games are awesome. And this is no exception. 175, Silver and Gold. Yes, this is definitely one that we pull out with people that don't often play games. I don't know where this is on my list, um, but we play it a lot. Um, it's very good. Uh, and again, super simple, but still a good time for everybody. Like, I think that's a, a sign of a good game. My number 174 I haven't played for a while. Uh, I had a bad experience with, I had so many good experiences. Then I had a bad experience. And it's made me not want to try to teach it to people again. Who'd you have the bad experience with? Camp. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Poopy and Poopy's wife and some other people in that group. And it just... Yeah, definitely a group depending game for sure. Yeah, I really thought it would be good, but they acted like they couldn't figure out what to do. You didn't say the name of the game, though. Oh, the name is Secret. The game is <laughs> Sorry, Secret Hitler. I interrupted. The game is Secret Hitler, and I've had so many good times with this game. Like I love social deduction. So in Secret Hitler, um, someone's Hitler. <laughs> Shocking. It's a dinosaur. So and don't it, don't get crazy. It's just a dinosaur. No, no, no one's wearing a mustache. Yeah. It's fine. It's um, and then you've got people that. Fascists. Are fascists. I was like, Nazis? <laughs> fascists and liberals. Fascists and liberals. Um, and then I think sometimes because of our American political system, you have to explain that to people who don't understand. But right. again, if you if you don't have a dinosaur, you don't have to worry about it. Right. Um, it Very simple. You move around. You elect a chancellor and you elect a vice chancellor? Uh, president. President. And president. It is definitely group dependent. As are most social deduction games, they're group dependent for sure. Yeah, I just, I just thought, surely, this game is so fun. Oops, that everyone will want to, will like it. I was mistaken. Uh, but normally, super fun. You're electing a chancellor. You're electing a vice chancellor. President. A president. If Hitler ever becomes chancellor, Hitler wins. Um, you're like trading these cards in to pass these laws. If too many fascist laws are passed, Hitler wins. Right. If liberals kill Hitler, the liberals win. But that's tricky. <laughs> right, right. So there's, it's like a werewolf-esque. Um, it's such a great game. Thank you. It is. And like, I don't, is it, can you still get it? Like, yeah, I think so. It's, it's a 
it's, it's super cheap too for as nice as it is like 30 yes. bucks the components are so good i love the artwork on it um i know there's been print and play versions done of secret voldemort which i would also totally be down with if someone would print and like make me up like one of those oh that would be amazing i'm not going to do it because i can't even cut straight lines and our printer is that's also true <laughs> But that would be like the best to have my own Secret Voldemort because I'm a super Potterhead. But Secret Hitler is still really fun. Uh, yeah, the art style is cool. The components are good. And the game is fun. Like, again, this is a game where Jason, like, at a church function, infamously called me a lying piece of trash when he was Hitler, so, and I knew it. So it's one of those games where you have to break the ice. Like, oh, absolutely. If everybody's not getting into it or they don't know what's going on, somebody has to take that, the bullet, I guess, and break the ice. Yeah. Clearly lie, clearly start the process going. And I'm usually not the one to do that, but so that's telling you what kind of group this is. I was working the, I was trying to work up to I was If I'm the to. one that's breaking the ice, <laughs> that tells you what the group is. But after that the game started going and it was a good time. Yes, yes. Um people were like, We need to offer the marriage counseling. And I'm like, No, <laughs> you need to kill him because he's Hitler. Uh, <laughs> it was a good time. That's a good time. I, I generally have had very good experiences with this game. Just I had one bad experience, so now I'm like gun shy because I was like, "Hey guys, this game is so great," and I'm like, "Let me introduce you to it and explain it." And they're like, "What? What do I do? I don't understand." Like, uh, I, like whose turn is it? I'm like, "Okay, yeah. you clearly were the wrong group, clearly." But yeah, it's fun. I love it. One seventy four, Secret Hitler. Yeah, I do like that one. As far as social deduction games go, that's probably one of my favorites, just because I think the theme is cool. It's an interesting theme. It has really great production for a social deduction game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can get people fired up with the whole fascist liberal and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. So my number 174 is actually a trick-taking game that's a reprint mm. of an old game. This one's from Restoration, and it's called okay. Indulgence. And this is a trick-taking game with no Trump suit. So all suits are created equal here. But the trick here is yeah. there are these... Like, um, I forget what they're called. Like laws? Or laws or like... Edicts. Pa papal edicts, yes. Okay. And they're going to tell you, like, don't take any green cards. Or take the three and six of the purple suit. Stuff like that. So either people are trying to do that, or one person can be the center. And that means they're basically going to flip that card over, and they can't take any of that stuff. Or take all of it. Or take all of it. But the... you get this cool little ring, a little pinky ring. I'm, I'm assuming it's a pinky ring. But you get a papal ring that basically can I adjust. I think it's my pinky. I think it's like a big ring. It looks like a class ring. Uh, you get, it basically adjusts one of your cards to a higher number than it actually is. It's going to be the, the ultimate number. So if you play a 1, you'll put that thing on there and it turns it into like an 11. So it'll just give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. And if you can get all that, you get a pile of gems, which are like points. And if mm -hmm. you don't do that, then you have to pay a bunch of stuff to people. And it just becomes, it's this crazy, like, you know, sit right behind me. Like, when, when I fire this off, do I, can I, do I really want to do this? Do I have enough gems? Will this put me over the edge? Because you're, like, trying to get a certain threshold of gems or something. Mm -hmm. And it, it's good for not having any Trump suit and just really simple. Those edicts change the game every single round yeah. so much. Add so much thinkiness to it. If you like trick-taking games, this is great. It's one of my favorites for sure. It's pretty low just because we don't play it that much, but... It is really, really good and nice production. I'm gonna show you the ring. I think this is higher on mine. Um, I also wrote about it in a blog I did on trick taking games. You can check that out on Look our website. Looks like a class ring, see? Yeah, but it's not like a pinky. If you have big hands, the Pope has big hands. I guess I'm always like, kiss the ring, kiss the ring. 
Yeah. Bag of crystals. <laughs> Dude, this game is amazing. It's so good. Like, again, I'm from the Midwest. We're from the Midwest. We love trick-taking games. You know, hard spades, euchre, um, wizard. So it's a no-brainer. And people really, uh, really like it. And especially if you've played a lot of trick-taking games. Like, it's a nice way to, like, flip things up a little bit. To really push, be like, ooh, yeah, oh, okay. So I can't take any of the red cards. Do I have a bunch of them? Do I have low ones? Do I have high ones? Or, How do I get rid of them? Or you can take them. But if you take them, you have to give the dealer, the Pope or whatever, money. And that's terrible. So Hard they're trying to stick you with that. And you're trying not to do that. Because you don't want to give them any money. Which is pretty terrible. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's fairly quick. Um, and it, and a really easy like learning like curve on that because of trick taking games, but it's got these cool nuances. Like it is really fun. I love it. Yeah, the more I play trick taking games, the more I'm I'm getting into it. I mean, I actually play euchre, but I like stuff that's different than euchre that takes it to a new level, and this one definitely does that. Speaking of trick taking games, my number one seventy three. It's also kind of new hotness. I ours isn't. But, oh, ours is but not. The game is. <laughs> um, do you have this way higher than yours? Oh, I would assume so. That I don't know. Um, I actually, we have old and busted version of this game. I like the look of the new one, even though the yes. the setting of it is completely arbitrary. Uh, and that's Scout. Scout. Oh, if you haven't played Scout, you need to play this game. You're lame if you haven't played Scout. I'll say right now. <laughs> no, it's so good. I even helped teach this to another group of people. Uh, Julia Khan, because um, she had the new version, which has aesthetically, I think it is pleasing. Very, it's, I like the. But what about that theme where you're recruiting Joe, the juggler? <laughs> the theme is. What about the theme? Dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> Tim, you haven't played this? Your you sister and I played it like three times. Tim, that's embarrassing. You call yourself a gamer. It is amazing. <laughs> See, I was with Mike. Although, Mike, were you the one making choices? No, you weren't the one making crazy choices. You made good choices. Somebody else at the table was making insane choices. I had to walk away. It's so good. So, Scout is like a mix of every card game that you've ever played as a kid, essentially. So, it's like this ladder game. So much shame. You need to get in the box of shame. The code yeah. of shame. Um, it's, it, and it's just that simple. Like, oh, I'm going to play an eight. So you need to play something that is higher than eight. It's either a nine or a 10, or you play a pair, or you play a run of two. And then pairs or same cards of the same better than a run. are better than runs. Mm -hmm. But I mean, but you pick up your hand and you can't move it. You can flip it at once at the beginning. At the beginning, you can decide if it's upside down or right side up, which... That, again, is the unique thing about the scout cards. They have numbers on both sides, and they are different. Um, so you are trying to then beat everyone around the table. And you really want to lay something kind of impressive, because if someone says, well, I can't beat that, they will have to scout, which means they take one of those cards, and you get a point for it. And points are at a premium, and you're trying to get rid of everything in your hand because that's negative points. Again, these are all concepts that you've had in another game, but they're just put together in this game. And it just, once you play like around, people catch on, they're like, oh, it's on. Okay, like they get it. Like it works for gamers, non-gamers. Like ours is like the old busted it's a version from Japan, right? Yeah, it, it's a, it, exactly the same game. It's the same game. Just different. Art. It just isn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, it isn't as aesthetic. There's no theme. They're not even pretending to put a theme on this Which one. Which I'm fine with, but I'm just surprised for being a game from Japan that it's yeah. not more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. It's pretty hideous. It's just white with weird shapes on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the new version is really great. Now, I think they're... Are they charging a lot for this game now? It was like 35 bucks or something. It's a deck of That's cards. a lot for a deck of cards and some cardboard shits. Um, but it's oink. The new one's oink in there. Kind of expensive. Yes, my We are gloating. I am gloating, gloating about having it. It's so great. Yeah, we played this at a con we were just at, Nerdapalooza, with uh, oh, yeah. someone who came up and hung out with us who listens. And he went out and bought it immediately afterwards. Played it with his wife and they loved it. Like, that's his, how good it is. Yeah, his wife's a total non-gamer, too. Yeah. And we played with my family, and they really loved it, and they're, a lot of them are non-gamers. Once you get it, it's weird not rearranging your cards. That's weird. I mean, we played Bonanza, Bonanza, so it's not as weird. But if you've never done anything like that, it's a little funky. And then to know that a run of a kind always beats a run and all that. A little bit of rule heavy, but not too much. Not, not that much. It's a fantastic game. Fantastic. It's so good. I wish you all could own it like we do. Yeah, and I'll be <laughs> gloating about it on the podcast because I like it a little bit. Well, a lot more a lot than Katie does. Yeah. I, I just, again, you could only play it, what, to five or five? Three to it's five or six. Yeah, and don't ever play it at three. It's not good. So it's like four to six, I think. Maybe four to five. You might be right. I would definitely play it at the max. Like, it works really well at the max. Um, but it's it's really fun. It's a super fun game. Again, very easy, easy to teach, easy to play, but the decisions. Ooh, it says you could play it at two, yuck. Ugh. Don't play that mess at two. I don't you probably have to do something different. You'd not play a different game, is what you do. <laughs> Besides that, play some wonder yeah. yeah. So that's my number one seventy three scout. Alright, so I want to keep talking about Scout, but we won't, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> 173 is actually a two-player game that probably would be higher if we played it more, but I think we've played it once, and I've played, it, played it more than once a couple of times, and I played it with Brandon once, and it's called Akrotiri, mm -hmm. and this is a game that, it's a tile-playing game, you're placing mm -hmm. these tiles down, but you're also doing some pick-up and deliver, you have these little yeah. boats, and you're moving along pathways in the water to different mm -hmm. islands to collect different color cubes, I think there's four different color cubes, and you're trying to bring them back to the center to sell them for money. But ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to put these icons on these islands out in this weird formation. So when you're looking at it, you're going to have these goal cards and you're trying to discover this temple that matches the symbols on the map. So I need to have a red and a blue one over here, a green one over here. If I can find a place on the map that meets that criteria, I can build one of my temples. That gives me you know, more actions I can take on my turn mm -hmm. and may unlock some other kinds of things that I'm doing. And you're racing to get a bunch, all your temples out. It's a great game. Uh, the, that temple piece is a little tricky. Mm -hmm. It's a pain in the butt to teach that thing because you can't really show it because you don't know what cards there are, and so it's hard. I just feel like it's hard to teach this game, which is why I don't play it that much. But once you understand it, and if I were somebody who yeah. knew how to play it, I would totally play it because pick up and deliver, tile laying, two players, it's pretty deep for a two-player game. Yes. And it's fantastic. It's 173 Acroteria. It was out of print for a while, but we actually got the one that the reprint version. So we actually have the newer version of this game. But wow, that's surprising. It looks exactly the same, just reprinted. It is a good game, um, especially if you're looking for like a deeper two-player experience. Um, and I don't, I don't see people talk about it a lot. Like Mike, I'm surprised that you have it because um, I don't know a lot of people that discuss this game. But because it's older than a year old, I already went over that. 
Here we go. Put the soapbox away, okay? <laughs> That's not what this is for. Um, my number one thing we talk about old games, but we actually did just play this with some of my family members because it's cute, oh, yeah. it's easy to play, but it's still really fun, and that's Takenoko. Uh, Takenoko, you are working with a panda, a gardener, and some bam bamboo. bamboo. Uh, so you've got cards that are wanting you to play out different like colors of these tile, different tile colors in different arrangements. You can irrigate them. Um, you're moving a panda. You've got cards that want you to, as the panda, eat certain colors of bamboo. Uh, they want you to grow certain types of bamboo. We have chibis. Uh, it's so cute. Yeah, last time we played, we just used the girl panda instead of the boy panda because we wanted to. <laughs> we didn't play our chibis, we just used the girl panda. Yeah, because um, there is the expansion where you can like have panda babies. Oh, jeez. Also cute. I cannot be trusted with these mics. <laughs> um, but it is one, and I think you talked about it last video, because I was talking about how it's one that I have played more and I teach more because, again, Jason wanders off and like, hey, we're playing this Euro game that's kind of medium to heavy, and uh, I'm taking you three dudes. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to make sure that everyone else is having a good time playing a game. Why don't you pick a game that looks interesting to you from our game shelves? And inevitably, people are are poultry talking to go because it's cute. I mean, it's colorful. I'm looking at it right now. This adorable panda on the box. Like, what's this about? I'm like, oh yeah, anybody can play that. Um, you're rolling the weather die. That kind of like kind of dictates your actions. It's super thematic. It's just great. It's it's simple. But yeah, there's enough things going on and like you're trying to do that contract fulfillment piece that, you know, I still enjoy playing it. So, 172, Takenoko. Yeah. Um, we got killed by like a 14-year-old. That's what happened <laughs> last time. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Uh, but it was still good. Yeah, it, it's not a deep game by any stretch of the imagination. It's solidly family. Oh, yeah. But it's super fun. There's still a ton you can do on your turn. There's like five actions you can take. So it's not like boring by any means. It's super fast. Good game. Yeah. So my number 172 honestly would be higher if we've only played it with Chris that one time. I This is a game I confuse with a million other games yeah. and I don't remember it ever. We got it for Christmas and it's been sitting back here and I just haven't busted it out. Oh. And it's called Res Arcana from Sandcastle Games, I think. Get it out. I want to look at it. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'll get it. Tom Lemon. 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 Our Lehman. Sunday school teacher. <laughs> Alright, uh, and this is... It's a an engine building game. But the interesting thing here is, again, we haven't played it for a long time, is you only get a certain number of cards in your hand ever for the whole entire game. So you're trying to figure out how you want to use... I think it's seven or nine cards. You're trying to figure out how you want to mm -hmm. use these cards, when you want to play them, when you want to activate them to make your engine the most efficient engine as possible. So, you know, I may have to end up burning one of my cards because I played it out of the wrong order. So I may have to try to get it back into my deck to cycle through it so I can get it back out later when I have something to go with it. Then you're trying to use these resources that you produce from these cards to buy these, like, buildings that give you points. Everyone's going to draft a different player ability each round based you on when they pass dragons. and all that kind of thing. It's a fantastic game. I remember I really dug it, which is why I got it for Christmas. 
but I just haven't played it again. Not I, I want to, I just haven't. I need to relearn it, and yeah, yeah I just haven't done it. So if, if you're into like engine builders with eight, nine cards, check this one out because it is it's solid, and it has some amazing production inside of it too. Mm -hmm. All the resources are in like this resource container. Which is awesome! Like look at that. That's sweet. Yeah, I've kind of forgotten about this, but I do remember really liking it, which is also why I bought it for you for Christmas. Um, but we, yeah, we haven't played it in a long time. It was upside down, so then I had to flip it all around. It's crazy. That's, uh, I like to do that to bother Chris. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch this anyway. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, I get it mixed up because we haven't played it for a while, so I keep forgetting. Uh, there's a lot of games with the word Arcana or something well, like yeah. that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's such a generic title. Like, yeah. <laughs> Not memorable at all. Even like the box art is not super memorable, but the game is good. So my last one, my number 171 for tonight, uh, is a super simple game. Super simple. And it probably should be lower, but it's a deck builder. And I love deck builders. And I love a fun theme. So my 171 is Summer Camp. So Summer Camp is, um, oh, who is that by? It's got the trees. Yeah, that's Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo. It's also Phil Walker Harding. It's also Phil Walker Harding, who I may be becoming a fangirl of because he's, he's amazing. Everything that he makes, it's so accessible. It's really, but it's also fun. So it's really, the, his games are ideal for us because we teach a lot of non-gamers games. Like they rely on us to introduce them to games um, that are easy to for them to learn and fun to play and that they can find. Gallerist. Did I say please interject something stupid there? I didn't. I didn't. You're right. I'll just hang my head. You've got an audience, so you think you can show off for your friends. <laughs> okay, so Summer Camp is a deck builder about Summer Camp. We actually started playing this with our youngest daughter because she wanted to play this My Little Pony um, Tales of Equestria, like, deck building game it's a deeper game than summer but camp, it yeah. is much deeper than summer camp so i'm like oh she doesn't even understand the concept of deck builder if someone doesn't understand deck builders i would start with summer camp you can get it at target we got it it was 20 20 wicked cheap um but you are building a deck from cards from different things that you would do at summer camp so there could be arts and crafts there can be friendship where you make friends or send love notes or get them little bracelets um, you can have cooking where you like do things over the campfire. You can have water sports. You can have hiking, I think, or outdoor sports of some kind. Yeah, there's like five or six different ones. Games. I can't remember, yeah. Um, and then, you, so you play with only four of them, I think. Three? Three. 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 Three each time you play. So you can mix them up, which I think is fun to see different kinds of cards. They all basically do the same thing. Yeah. The similar cards are different art. <laughs> but but the theme is fun. For me, obviously, I love themes. So, like, if I have a love note, like a secret admirer note, like, I get a benefit from it, and then I put it in someone else's deck, which I think is really cute and really fun. And so you've got these little campers that you're moving across. What? You like it better than me? Yeah, I like this game. Wow. You're moving across these, like, little trails. To try and race to the end. Um, I, I just love that. The theme is so fun. Again, I love, love deck builders. And this is a really good basic intro to deck building. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you should do, like, 
Oh, what's the one? Uh, Ascent? No. Ascension. Ascension. Or what? Huh. Why would you play Ascension when Summer Camp looks a billion times better? It does. It looks a lot better. It's, uh, I think, a really fun theme. Uh, It works well for, like, youngish kids, too, as an introduction. And, like, like, yes, I could min-max this all day. So there's some people I don't want to play this with, Brandon. Um, otherwise, it's just a really fun game just to work on, like, almost in some ways, Jason doesn't do this, but you could tell a story like, oh, you know, I got this letter from home, and I'm going to move here, and I made some new friends, and I'm going to move here. Oh, I totally play like that. Well, we played with, so we played with this guy at uh, church camp, and he was, like, really into theme. He's like, I'm not making any friends. <laughs> you know, any friendship oh, yeah. cards. <laughs> And it was just so. Yeah, it was funny. It was it was really fun. And, uh, it's just a really fun game. It makes for a good like gaming experience, and I I always like that. This is one that you could take to like a family gathering um, around the holidays, and you could teach someone to understand deck building in a very accessible way. And it's cute, and uh, it's cheap. So yeah, uh, my one seventy one is summer camp. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do. Tim did a video. 10 games to play at families on holidays. I feel like we've talked about that before on the podcast. Yeah, probably. But We've just done so yeah. many podcasts this I just need to... I think I'm going to do one of those, too. Tim kind of leaned t- toward the party games. I'm mm-hmm. going to lean toward, like, the family weight non-party games. Mm-hmm. And Summer yeah. Camp would definitely be on there. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, my number 171, and the last one that I'm going to talk about, is a game that I would play more, but for two things. It's a co-op, and I don't play a ton of co-ops. And the theme is not something that I want to play all the time. It's depressing. It's depressing, and it's it, intense. And it feels, it feels terrible. Like it feels like you're there. And the game is called Freedom: The Underground Railroad. And this game is what it says. You are trying to get slaves from the South up through the underground the railroad, underground railroad up into Canada, mm-hmm. and you're trying to avoid slave catchers. Now, all this is, like, abstracted out. The slaves are natural color, wooden cubes, and the slave catchers are, like, different shaped, like, wooden disc things. But when you lose one, it's terrible because they're basically being killed. And you're trying to get more of the slaves up into Canada before the slave catchers catch them, if you want to... And more of them are coming off the boats from Africa. And they're being delivered, so you have a, a new surplus of... People coming in, you're trying to get free while the slave catchers are there trying to catch them. It's brutal. It, it's a great game. It is a good game, and it's they're not like glorifying any of this. They're just it's a historical theme. It's it, very educational. Yeah, it's from like, Academy Games. They do Academy. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So it's very educational. You could play this in a school, like a history class, if you want to, to kind of teach what was going on. Because the cards have historical events, they have historical character, like your like character. People. Yeah. Yeah, your character. You can be like Harriet Tubman and stuff. Um, it, it's a fantastic game. It's just hard to bring it out and hard to get people excited to want to play a game with that theme. So I play it a lot solo because then I can get the to play it. I don't have to try to get people to want to play a game about the Underground Railroad. But if you have a group that's into that, you like historical games, mm-hmm. you like co-op games, this is a fantastic one. Um, it's going to be it's, heart-wrenching. It's not surprising. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. I got it in a trade. But um, it it it's great. It's a great co-op. It's brutal. It's hard. It's hard. Um, but it's fun too. It's it's mm-hmm. fun to try to puzzle out how to get 
the cubes up from the south up into Canada, how to like maybe send mm -hmm. some over this way to distract a, a slave catcher so you can get some up for free. You have to sacrifice some to get some up into Canada, and that's where the decisions are brutal and tricky. And but it's a fantastic game. So my number one seventy one. Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Yeah, we played a demo of this at Origins one year, and we kept wanting to get it. And every year, we were like, "This is too expensive. This is too expensive." Yeah, it's a it's a seventy five dollar game or something like that. It's it's pretty pricey. So, and I think it's just because of the research and stuff that went into it. Because, I mean, there's not a ton to it. It's like a board and some cards and some cubes. But you can tell there's a lot of work put into it. So yeah, getting it on a trade was the only way that we could do it. And yes, it is such a good puzzle. Like, and even just about the different people that were, that were conductors in the underground world, as far as who you are and what your player power is, that's really interesting. Like, it was captivating in just like a few rounds that we played at Origins from the beginning let alone we actually owned it. So it is so good, but yes, it is, and it's hard. It is really hard. Yeah, I always play it on easy. I, I've never won this game. No. I'm probably just bad, but it's probably true. <laughs> but it's brutally hard. It is hard. So hard. And then, like, then I don't want to play it again because, like, I just, you know, I just had 14 mm -hmm. slaves get killed. I, I want to do that again. Like, it feels no, terrible. No, my heart can't terrible. take it. Yeah, so it's, it's a fantastic game. You just got to have a good group that is willing to play a game that's a heavy theme like that. Yes. So that's my 171. Okay. Well, um, let's give a recap of our numbers 180 to 171 for our list today. I keep using weird motions with my hands. It's like Ricky Bobby. Where do I put my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, anyway, so my number 180 is The Gambler. 179, My Little Scythe. 178, Scythe. 177, Seven Wonders Duel. 176, Bag of Chips. 175, Chiseled, 174, Secret Hitler, 173, Scout, 172, Takenoko, and 171, Summer Camp. My number 180 is Royals, 179, Anno 1800, oh, no, I don't know how you say it, who cares, 178, Praetor, 177, Illimat, 176, CO2, letters and numbers, I can say those. 175, Silver and Gold, 174, Indulgence, 173, Akrotiri, 172, Res Arcana, and 171, Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Okay. We started a little early tonight, then we said we're going to, and... Only a few minutes. Yeah, I said nine-ish. Yeah. It was nine-ish. That's fine. But I have a final exam to write, so I got to go. All right. We're trying to see if um, the video matches up with the words with our mouth or audio better. Um, sometimes our Wi-Fi doesn't work so great at around nine o'clock. So not sometimes every night. Every night it stops working at nine o'clock. So yeah, if it didn't, sorry, I'll put up a podcast episode. You can listen to the audio and at least um, not have to watch our mouths do this. All right. So I think we're done. I'm gonna <laughs> shut this down. And then every time he goes to shut it down, he's like, Katie, don't swear. Thanks, Tim. Tim, we miss you. Let's hang out during the holiday season. Yeah, go to your sister's during Christmas time. Yeah, let us know when you're going to be there. We'll work it out. Don't be lame. I'll bring Scout so you can stop being lame. Oh, that's true. All right. We're, we're shutting down. <laughs> Have a great night. Thanks, Mark. Thanks.